0: Welcome back to the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we cover the topic of evaluating diagnostic tests, found under the stats section at medbullets.com. Let's start this episode going over sensitivity, specificity, positive predictive value, and negative predictive value. So these four measures describe how well diagnostic tests capture the true presence or absence of disease. So starting with sensitivity, this is the percent with the disease who test positive. In a 2x2 two two table, this is represented as A over A plus C, or true positives over true positives plus false negatives. Moving on to specificity, this is the percent without the disease who test negative. In a 2x2 two two table, this is written as D over B plus D, which also equals true negatives over false positives plus true negatives. Moving on to positive predictive value, this is the percent of positive test results that are true positives. In a 2x2 two two table, this is written as a over a plus b, which equals true positives over true positives plus false positives. Finally, moving on to negative predictive value, this is the percent of negative test results that are true negatives. In a 2x2 two two table, this is written as d over c plus d, which equals true negatives over false negatives plus true negatives. Remember that the cutoff point may be adjusted to optimize sensitivity and specificity, which are inversely related. So a cutoff point with a decreased sensitivity is associated with increased specificity and vice versa. This will also affect negative predictive value and positive predictive value. For example, a decrease in sensitivity associated with a decrease in negative predictive value in the same population. For example, a decrease in sensitivity is also associated with a decrease in negative predictive value in the same population due to higher false negative rates. Sensitivity and specificity are intrinsic to the diagnostic test. These do not change with prevalence. However, positive predictive value and negative predictive value do change with prevalence. The receiver operating characteristic or ROC curves are a graphical depiction of a test performance. The y-axis is sensitivity and the x-axis is one minus specificity. The higher the curve, the better the test. This is quantified by the AUC or area under the curve. An AUC of 0.5 states that the test performs no better than chance, which is a bad test whereas an area under the curve of 0.9 suggests a better performing test. Finally, let's talk about odds ratio, relative risk, and attributable risk. These measures describe the relationship between a risk factor and a disease. An odds ratio is the odds of having a disease in the exposure group over the odds of having the disease in the unexposed group. In a 2x2 table, this is written as A times D over B times C. Moving on to relative risk, this is the probability of getting the disease in the exposed group over the probability of getting the disease in the unexposed group. So in a 2x2 two two table, this is represented as A over A plus B divided by C over C plus D. Remember that if the relative risk equals 1, there is no association between exposure and outcome. Now let's quickly talk about dose response. So an increased level of exposure shows an increased relative risk of developing slash an odds ratio of having a disease. A dose response can be used in an odds ratio or relative risk to support causality. Finally, attributable risk is the risk in the exposed group minus the risk in the unexposed group. In a 2x2 table, this is written as A over A plus B minus C over C plus D. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 50-year-old man arrives at the dermatology clinic complaining of scaly spots on his scalp. Over the past few months, he tried to use a variety of moisturizers, but the lesions did not resolve. On the scalp vertex, there are multiple gritty macules with an erythematous base and overlying scale. The patient is diagnosed with actinic keratosis, and he elects for cryotherapy. He then asks about nicotinamide, an oral supplement that can be used to prevent the development of actinic keratosis. The patient is worried because he heard nicotinamide can cause flushing, and he wants to know his risk of developing this side effect. A cohort study was conducted that compared the risk of developing flushing in those exposed to nicotinamide compared to those who were not exposed. In the study, there were 140 patients that received nicotinamide and 105 patients who did not receive nicotinamide. The study's conclusion states that the relative risk for developing flushing in the patients who took nicotinamide was 1.0. Which of the following statements is true regarding the study? And the choices are 1. Cohort studies cannot be used to determine relative risk. 2. Patients who took nicotinamide have 10 times the risk of developing flushing. 3. Patients not exposed to nicotinamide have a 75% lower risk of developing flushing. 4. The sample sizes are uneven, so the risk of adverse effects cannot be reliably determined. And 5. There is no association between nicotinamide and flushing. The correct answer to this question is 5. There is no association between nicotinamide and flushing. So the patient is presenting with actinic keratosis and is asking about the risk of developing flushing after taking nicotinamide. The study states that the relative risk for flushing in patients who took nicotinamide compared to those not exposed to nicotinamide was 1.0, which implies there is no association between nicotinamide and flushing. Relative risk compares the incidence of an event among those with a specific exposure compared to those who were not exposed. In this example, a study determined that the relative risk of developing flushing among those exposed to nicotinamide compared to those not exposed to nicotinamide was 1.0. When relative risk is less than 1, then a lower risk of the outcome is associated with the exposure. When the relative risk is greater than 1, then a higher risk of the outcome is associated with the exposure. When relative risk equals 1, the exposure has no associated effect on the outcome. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, Answer 1, cohort studies can be used to calculate relative risk. In comparison, relative risk cannot be estimated from case control studies. Instead, odds ratios are used. Answer 2, if the relative risk is equal to 1, then the risk of developing flushing in patients exposed to nicotinamide is equal to the risk of developing flushing in those not exposed to nicotinamide. Answer 3, if the relative risk is equal to 1, there is equal risk for developing flushing whether or not a patient is exposed to nicotinamide. And finally, answer four, uneven sample size does not automatically mean that relative risk cannot be calculated. To leave you with the bullet summary, if the relative risk is equal to one, then there is no association between exposure and outcome. And moving on to the final question, a research group has developed a low-cost diagnostic retinal imaging device for cytomegalovirus retinitis in a population of HIV-infected patients. In a pilot study of 50 patients, the imaging test detected the presence of CMV retinitis in 50% of the patients. An ophthalmologist slit lamp examination, which was performed for each patient to serve as the gold standard for diagnosis, confirmed a diagnosis of CMV retinitis in 20 patients that were found to be positive through imaging, as well as one patient who tested negative with the device. If the prevalence of CMV retinitis in the population decreases due to increased access to antiretroviral therapy, How will positive predictive value and negative predictive value of the diagnostic test be affected? And the choices are one, positive predictive value decreases and negative predictive value decreases. Two, positive predictive value decreases and negative predictive value increases. Three, positive predictive value increases and negative predictive value decreases. Four, positive predictive value increases and negative predictive value also increases. And five, positive predictive value is unchanged and negative predictive value is also unchanged. The correct answer to this question is two, positive predictive value decreases and negative predictive value increases. So as prevalence of a disease decreases, positive predictive value of the diagnostic test will decrease and negative predictive value will increase. Positive predictive value is calculated with the following equation. True positives over true positives plus false positives. In this case, the positive predictive value equals 20 over 20 plus five, or 20 over 25, which equals 80%. Negative predictive value is calculated with the following equation. True negatives over true negatives plus false negatives. In this case, the negative predictive value equals 24 over 24 plus one, or 24 over 25, which equals 96%. Positive predictive value varies directly with prevalence of disease or pretest probability, while negative predictive value varies inversely with prevalence or pretest probability. To leave you with the bullet summary, as prevalence of a disease decreases, the positive predictive value decreases and the negative predictive value increases. That's all for this review about evaluating diagnostic tests. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing these topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or mobile app while reading through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast thus far, we'd appreciate your consideration in leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the Med Bullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.